0: Now it's time to come to God's words. We have a couple of readings this morning. Um, we're reading both from Genesis and then from the Gospel of John. So first, Genesis 3, starting at verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Our next reading is from John chapter 18, starting at verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. And finally, John 8, starting at verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.
1: Thank you, Thomas. And thank you, Susie and Paul for sharing with us. Uh, Before we go in, uh, have our sermon and think more deeply about the issue of truth, i uh, going to listen to a song uh, from Susie which she's written about those questions of truth in the world in which we live.
2: So What
1: Let us pray. Lord, will you guide us into all truth through your Holy Spirit? Amen. So Pilate responded to Jesus with the words, What is truth? Now, if we were looking in a dictionary, we would discover that the truth is that which is in accordance with reality or fact. So when I tell you that my hair is grey or almost white, it's true. But No matter how hard I try to convince you that actually it is black, even if I tell you over and over again my hair is black, it really is black, it still won't be true. But we live in a post-truth society which in a nutshell means that objective facts are less important than appeals to emotion and personal belief in shaping public opinion. So Donald Trump at the moment is currently using clearly fake allegations that Kamala Harris doesn't qualify to run as president by birth. He knows that it's not true, but it speaks into the raw emotions of some of his voters. And so without directly confirming it, he gives it credence and credibility, knowing that those voters will embrace it as it fits with their personal beliefs and their emotional worldview. Equally, many of us live now in a social media bubble where our perceptions of truth and fact are governed by the algorithms that feed things to us. So Christy Mayer, who wrote a book on truth, said, does anyone actually care about truth anymore? Your truth, my truth, their truth, perceived truth, partial truth, distorted truth, So many truths abound. Does anyone actually care what actually is or isn't the truth anymore? And we might be tempted to answer, no, it doesn't seem that way. But truth matters. Because truths, lies, have consequences. If I tell you I'll meet you at 11 o'clock for tomorrow, but I have no intention of doing it, because at the time I said I'd meet you for coffee, Actually, I'm going to be in a meeting. You will arrive there and you'll be very frustrated and angry and our relationship will be damaged because I didn't turn up. I didn't tell you the truth. Truths, unlies, untruths have consequences. So when the snake in the Genesis account of temptation asked Eve, was it true that God said? And when she confirmed it, he told her that God was lying to her that there wouldn't be any consequences and so even then Adam both equally to blame took the serpent at his word and ate the apple and the Bible tells us that that action had profound consequences not only for them and their relationship with each other and with God but for the whole of creation the untruth at the center of it all damaged their relationship with God and gave us over to a world in which sin and death would rule. Truth matters. Where there is no truth, destruction and even death follows inevitably. Where there is no truth in relationships, they will not survive. Where there is no truth in economic and social systems, The poorest and the weakest suffer. And ultimately, when truth is ignored, people will die. When the German people collectively turned their backs on the truth of what the Nazis were doing, countless people paid a heavy, heavy price. Truth matters, but it can also appear complicated. And Pilate's question is more relevant today than ever when we live in a context where truth is seen as subjective. In other words, whatever you want it to be, whatever you understand it to be. The slogan for our world at the moment might be that my truth is just as valid as your truth. And it seems that those in power have embraced this, replacing analysis and discussion from experts With simple statements of opinion. So we have case in point, we will have the greatest track and trace system in the world, but seemingly without any evidence to back up that claim. So we have no way of knowing whether or not it is true. It might be, but we don't know. What is truth? Or perhaps more specifically, what is the truth for us that as Christians we're called to affirm and speak out. In John 14, Jesus and Thomas, I found myself wondering, was he Tom to his friends, have a discussion about the direction of the disciples' lives. And Jesus has just told the disciples that he's gonna go ahead and prepare a place for them to come and be with him. And Thomas says, in effect, that's great, but we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And what he wants essentially is a roadmap, something that lays out what he has to do, how to get there, where to go. He wants the practical details, the facts. And the Greek word that he used for knowing there is oida, which is all about factual truth or knowledge, objective truth. But when Jesus replies, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the truth. And if you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. And the word for knowing here is a different word in Greek, it's ginosko, which describes a knowledge which is learned from relationships. It's a deep and intimate form of knowing, like the kind of knowing that you have in a marriage. And it's based on personal experience, out of which we discover the truth of who the other is. And in this little exchange, we can see that both kinds of truth, the objective facts and the subjective learning, are essential. Because truth is both personal. For us as Christians, it's rooted in our knowledge of Jesus, and it's also objective. It's based on the facts of his life and death and resurrection, as recorded in the New Testament. And this is the truth that we as Christians start from and which shapes the way we live our lives. It starts with us. Jesus tells us that knowing the truth sets us free. That is personal in that we know Jesus, the source of truth, and that in him we are set free from sin and death. But it also has implications for the way we live our lives in the objective world. For God's truth is always expressed through human experience. In creation God spoke words of truth and the creation came into being. His words made the world real. So God's truth is at the heart of our reality. And our calling is to learn to live in that truth in a world that has rejected God. And that can be uncomfortable. But Jesus says knowing the truth sets us free. And he told us that one of the most important jobs for the Holy Spirit is to lead us into all truth. And that suggests to me that this seeking after truth and learning is the job of a lifetime. That we keep on seeking to discover more of the truth because none of us knows the whole truth. And that we always need to be open to God revealing unseen truths to us. And those can be both healing and also painful. At the moment, provoked by the events around the death of George Floyd, Christians and churches across the world are having to face uncomfortable truths about racism. Racism that is built into our societies that we help to shape. Racism that is in churches and often simply not recognized. And I found myself asking a question, how many of us have ever sat down with our black friends and asked them to describe to us their experiences of life in society, their experience of life in the church as a whole, and if we are brave in our own church here in Christ church. A Friend of mine is married to Anthony. Anthony is black, he's educated, he has a great job, a home and a family he went to Tesco's and he went to the fish counter to buy some fish and he wanted to buy a whole salmon because that's how he likes to cook it and the white lady at the till looked at him and then said that's too expensive for you and when he asked why are you saying it's too expensive for me she said stop shouting at me sir I'm calling the police and security to have you thrown out or I think about the young men who drove past three young women wearing headscarves in Staple Hill a week ago, who shouted out of their car, from the safety of their car, F off home. Or I think about the men and women of the Windrush generation who arrived in this country, went to churches, and were told by clergy that they did not belong. Literally, clergy people took them and showed them the door. Just imagine how strong our churches would be today if those young Christians had been welcomed into their churches. There would be millions of people worshipping. Those millions of people who now worship in black-led churches could be here with us in the Anglican churches today. Truth matters. We have to listen to the brokenness of our world and to accept our own culpability in it. It needs to be spoken out. It needs to be spoken in confession. It needs to be spoken recognizing the truth of our own failings, whatever they may be, or it can never be put right. And that same thing that I've illustrated through that is true of many areas of our lives, and we can look at our own lives and the way we live them and ask God to put his finger on those truths. And truth needs to be spoken out in love, because otherwise it can so easily become a way of belittling others and putting them down. Jesus spoke truth, but never to say, I am right, but you poor thing, you're wrong. Unlike me. Truth also needs to be spoken out with courage in a world where truth is regarded with suspicion and where even any strong assertion of spiritual truth is associated with extremism or even terrorism. Even some of the bishops that I have spoken to have told me that even though they know truth matters, they're afraid of speaking out certain truths because of whom they might offend or might alienate or because of the reaction they might get. So today, more than ever, truth needs to be spoken with wisdom and the Spirit of God gives us wisdom. And Jesus says, if any of you lacks wisdom, Ask God who will give it to us. And wisdom is found in listening to God, listening to his word, listening to others, listening to the world, so that we can understand different viewpoints and the feelings and the emotions and the concerns that those we are about to address. And we can address their truth with the truth that we have found in Christ. And finally, we can't stop in the search for truth. We can't stop speaking the truth to power and exposing lies. Someone on a social media thread where people were discussing the way in which uh, the A-level results have been arrived at and the fact that that outcome seems to have privileged those who are wealthier and disadvantaged those from less privileged backgrounds. And this person responded with weariness. He said, all the news on this has been quite overblown and tedious. In other words he was saying can't we move on and the answer must be no we should never grow weary of seeking the truth of holding people to account of speaking out the truth as we've received it and fighting for the truth because otherwise people suffer a man called Timothy Snyder wrote that to abandon facts is to abandon freedom May we never give up on our calling to live in the truth, to live with the truth, and to speak the truth. For in in doing so, we will model the example of Jesus and will be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen.